Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, corner to the 5, touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. The question we threw out there to you, what in your mind is the one thing the Raiders cannot afford to do this offseason? Let us know on our don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r We'll get back to those responses in just a few minutes. But right now we're going to turn our attention to the XFL and the Vegas Vipers. And to help us do that, we talk to the Hall of Famer, the HOFer, Coach Rod Woodson. And Coach, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And the XFL season's right around the corner. It gets started on February 18th. How excited and pumped up are you to make your coaching debut with the XFL? No, it's going to be fun. I mean, we've had a great time down there in, uh, in Arlington getting our guys ready. Our guys are excited to, to go. Um, you know, our first game is going to be down there in Arlington, but then our first home game will be here in, in February. So it's good. We're, we're ready. We're, uh, we're getting there, kind of knocking all the rust off and getting everything in place. Everyone practices in that central location, as you mentioned, in Arlington. How is that? Is, is that an advantage? Is that a disadvantage when you're trying to get your guys together? Well, I mean, for us, you know, we share a uh, you know, practice facility with um, with Jim Hasler's team, okay. the, uh, the Sea Dragon. So, you know, obviously they, I mean, they practice first, we practice second. Um, you know, we practice, they're done. Uh, you know, it's not a real big deal. You know, we meet in the morning while they're practicing. Okay. We get there, they're getting off the field. Uh, it's been all cordial. It'd be all cordial until game time. <laughs> no, that's right. And then it gets real. And then it gets real. Again, we're talking with the Hall of Famer, Coach Rod Woodson, here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So, as I mentioned, I mean, you've been around the game for a very long time, Hall of Famer, been there, done that. Does it does it ever give you butterflies in your belly knowing that, hey, now you're about to be the head coach? No. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, anybody, any, anybody that's coached in any, in any sport, uh, always wants to be the head guy. So having this opportunity to, you know, build my own staff, uh, put the, you know, the group together the way, you know, I, I vision it, uh, to talk to my coaches and to see how they see things collectively, how we can come together as a team. It's been pretty fun. Um, you know, this, it, it, it is a great opportunity um, you know, playing for 17 years, uh, you know, not knowing, you know, I coached for four years in the league and, you know, try to get back in, can never get back in. But this is a great opportunity for me to help younger players uh, to, to live out a dream, uh, hopefully to get into the NFL or to get back in the NFL, uh, to show the coach team that they can play at a high level on a consistent basis. Talking all things Vegas Vipers right now with Coach Rod Woodson here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. When it comes to the roster that you've assembled, you mentioned players getting to the NFL or getting back. Vic Beasley, Martavis Bryant, some names that were big, some pretty big players, big-time players in the NFL. So what do you think about the roster that you have assembled here with the Vipers? I mean, I, I like it. I mean, that's why we got them. Uh, you know, I mean, when I saw Vic's uh, name on there, I was like, wait, is that the Vic Beasley? <laughs> like, like, my man from Clemson? Like, oh, shoot, that's our first pick. That's not even a question. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and getting him, uh, man, he's been great. Man, he 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 can he understands protections. He can talk to the guys. He he, I mean, he calls out stuff before it even happens. And and that's what you want from your older players who's been there and done that. And, you know, obviously, you know, he would love to have another opportunity, another shot to be on an NFL roster because he has the skill set. He has he has the ability. 
Um, he just has to, you know, put that film together. So I've got to ask you about the signal caller at quarterback. Do you have an official starting quarterback now? I know you got Luis Perez, and he was on the field with you today when you were doing some work, doing some promotional stuff. So is that the sign that he's the starting quarterback? Well, listen, you know, Luis Perez, we, I, I call in my mind, I call him Grandpa Paul. Like, he's like this old head. He, he's, uh, he has an old soul, and he, he does a great job of getting our guys together. He knows the offense like the back of his hand already. Uh, he's only been in it for a couple weeks. Um, Louise has a great story. He's one of those players that is definitely going to help us win. You know, I can't say he's a starting quarterback, and I can't say Vic is a starting also linebacker, but I can say we have a pretty good crew of players that uh, we're going to find out what they do well, all of them, and we're going to try to put them in the best situation to make plays. What have you seen from uh, Jalen McClendon, another quarterback on your roster? Yeah, Jalen has a long, strong arm that can sling it. I mean, it can be a windy day, and his, I mean, his ball is going straight through the wind. Uh, just one of those guys that has all the ability. We just got to find out what he does well and what he doesn't do well and try to put him in a good situation. Talking right now with Coach Rod Woodson here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as all the kind of the business model of the XFL, are the are the players all excited about, like you mentioned, that opportunity to either get back to the NFL, get to the NFL, or just play at a high level and, and have a lot of fun doing it? I mean, I hope so. I mean, if they're not, then they shouldn't be there. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be honest, uh, and that's what we talked about. You know, we, we talked about don't think about the uh, obligations, but think about the opportunity. You know, we want we want players who don't feel that they have to do this, but they want to do this. Mm-hmm. And we can get players who, who want to uh, collectively together to make our final roster of 50. Uh, we're going to have a really good Viper team. Something that I wanted to ask you about, because I was curious, you mentioned about how you share the practice facility, but outside of, you know, the practice field of the X's and O's, what's the training staff looking like to get the players, you know, bodies right physically to be prepared for the field? Well, I mean, they, they definitely have a, a workout regiment. Uh, they get they get a couple lifts a week. Um, you know, we, we do run them. Um, you know, we had a little running circuit for them before they got here that was, you know, uh, optional for the players. Uh, quite a few of the players did it on their own, uh, and that kind of gave them a baseline. So when they got here, you know, my, you know, my you know, suggestion to them was to come in more in shape than not because if you come in more in shape, then you're more likely to make the team than you wouldn't. Right, no doubt. Again, Coach Rod Woodson is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. So I know practicing is going on in Arlington. I know your first game is going to be in Arlington, but then you'll return to Las Vegas. You'll be at Cashman Field. How exciting is the opportunity to play in Las Vegas, knowing that the city itself is really blowing up as far as sports go? Yeah, you know, we, we are really excited to, to go to Cashman. Cashman's a real small venue that's going to make our fan base right on top of us, uh, which we love. Uh, so we're going to be close and up and personal with our fan base. Um, you know, and, and our motto, uh, you know, our motto is scared money don't want no money. Right. We're going to let the money, we're going to let the money ride. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we're going to have fun with it. We're going to have an aggressive offense, an aggressive defense, an aggressive uh, special teams, and play with the flow of what our team is doing that day. Uh, but we're going to have fun with it no matter, no matter what happens. What have you seen from your players as far as kind of their their knowledge of not not you in particular, but just they know you know who you are, been there, done that. As far as kind of coming to you and picking your brain and saying, "Hey, you know, what did you do to have this long career, this Hall of Fame career? How did you do this and that?" Has there been a lot of those kind of sit down and, and pick that brain type uh, sessions? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of the players. Uh, you know, I don't really let them. I mean, they, they've asked me questions about that and to pick my brain, but I told them everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what worked for me might not work for you. And you got to figure out what works for you, and so you can be at your best uh, when your best is required. Um, and you know, I try to find out more about them and asking them questions on what they do, what they like, what they don't like. Uh, and then if they ask me about any other, you know, suggestions about their career and how I can help them and how, uh, you know, either, either through, uh, you know, being more mental than physical, then I'll definitely help them. I'll give them everything I can because the one thing I want from all my coaches is to care about our players more than being a helmet. Right. Right, absolutely. Coach Rod Woodson is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So for you in particular, I mean, what is your typical day like as far as putting together, a, you know, a plan and, and, and working? I know coaches, they work from early in the morning to late at night. So how's everything kind of been working for you as far as even a transition into what you're doing? Uh, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really change too much. I mean, we know getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to, to get over to the uh, uh, our, our meeting space and, uh, and and get started and get everything done and the practice scripts and all that and cards, getting the next day done, um, you know, planning out, you know, a couple weeks ahead of time, uh, making sure that, you know, still being fluid to listen to our players and our bodies and our injuries uh, and, and making those adjustments as we go. Um, it's been fun, though, but, it's, you know, Coach's world is a is a lonely world at times, but mm-hmm. collectively together, we're doing it and we're having a good time. Something that I wanted to ask you about: Are there any rule changes or anything that's going to be different as opposed to the NFL with the XFL this season? Yeah, I mean there there's there some different rules now. I mean, you know, our punt, <laughs> our punt return, our punt team, you know, you can't leave. Not even the gunners can leave until the punt is uh, is kicked. Uh, the old XFL kickoff return rule. Uh, you know, the opposing team is going to be on the 35. The other one's going to be on the 40. Um, so you don't have a long run-up. Uh, the kick returner is going to be on the backside of that. Uh, similar to what the old one was on the XFL. Um, the rule for more, you know, college football rule when it comes to reception, one foot in instead of two. Mm. Um, there's some other ones, but those are, those two for the special teams are probably – the one that's more different than any one other rule that we have, especially in the NFL, and even for college players. So we know that the season gets started on February 18th for you guys. You'll be in Arlington, as you mentioned. Uh, as far as just, you know, we know the, the face of the XFL is rock. We know everyone kind of behind the scenes, and it sounds like there's a really good business plan, but you've seen these you've seen these before, and you've seen the XFL before, and, of course, COVID and everything, you know, kind of played a, a, a back role and, and kind of hurt the, the league and different leagues as well. Uh, how confident do you feel in the sustainability that this is going to be one that's going to be able to, to last for a while? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, Normally, most businesses fail because of lack of equity, right? Right. Um, and, and, and sometimes business plans. Mm-hmm. And I think they've done a really good job of rolling this out. They slow rolled this out. They really thought about it. They really uh, deciphered this, uh, how they're going to get it done in a cost-effective way. Um, so I don't think equity is a part of it uh, or business plan. So you know, now we've got to make this thing fun and uh Get some fans out there to mm-hmm. have some fun out there and to make everybody 
kind of scream and holler for their color. And don't go to football games. There you go. You mentioned fun, and you also said earlier, scary money don't make no money. And I'm seeing with the extra points that the further you go back to start, let's say from the 10-yard line, that's going to be three points when it comes to the extra points. Are you going to be out like here? Steph Curry. Yeah, the ex- <laughs> are you going to be the XFL Steph Curry? You score a touchdown, we're going for three on the extra point. Are you going to be that aggressive? Scary money don't make no money? I can't say I'm going to do that every single time. We will do it. We will do it. We'll be smart about what we do. Um, you know, I, I can't say I'm going to go out there and go for three every time. That would be uh, that would be reckless <laughs> as, on my part as a head coach to put my guys in a situation like that. But we'll definitely listen to the flow of the game and the situation of the game. I like it. I like it. That's a great answer right there and a great nugget there, uh, Damon, as well. Well, Coach, thanks so much. We're excited about this XFL opportunity. We're excited about the Vegas Vipers. We'll be airing your games on our airwaves, so we're excited about that. We'll be out there at Cashman for you. So, uh, Coach, go get them. Get them uh, ready to go on February 18th. Everything gets real. Sounds great. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Coach. There he goes. Coach Rod Woodson, Vegas Vipers, XFL action. And uh, everything goes the way it's supposed to go. We'll have those games right here. On Radio Nation Radio 920. You like that, huh? You like that? How we just keep the party rolling? I do. You didn't even know. I, I'm dropping nuggets on the air you didn't even know about. Football doesn't stop. I didn't know that we were going to be airing those games. Yeah, see, I'm just, I'm telling you. Got to see who the play-by-play man is. Got to try to sneak in that booth. Well, I'll tell you, I got a pretty good <laughs> idea that he's in this building. Not necessarily this studio, but he's in this building. I'm just going to say it like that. So we got a lot of things that we're working on right now that we're very excited about and going to continue to roll out what we got coming. And XFL, Vegas Vipers, led by head coach Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer, the former Raider, the former Steeler, former Raven, big-time player, 17 years in the NFL, is going to be the head man. We did get one text before we take a break from Geese Which Woodson had more interceptions over their career, Seawood or Rod? And the answer is Rod. Rod had 71, I believe. That's what I'm looking at right now. Let me see. I just had it because I saw this text. 71 career interceptions, and Charles had... 66. So there you go. 65. Excuse me. I, I almost gave him an extra interception. But 65 career interceptions for Seawood and 71 for Rod Woodson. So between the two Woodsons, it's a lot of interceptions right there, my man. So thank you so much for that text. We appreciate you. Thanks for the time for Rod Woodson for joining us from the Vegas Vipers. It is 314. This is Red Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. What in your mind is the one thing the Raiders can't afford to do this offseason? Not hang no banners at the top of the ceiling. <laughs> we got this awesome new studio, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio that we're in. We're still working out the kinks. And everyone's doing a fantastic job behind the scenes, making sure everything looks the part, is the part. So we had a guy that came in today, and he hung up the TV. It's not connected yet, so we, haven't, we don't have it on, but... It looks nice. Nice 55-inch TV. It's, it's, it's nice. Got this awesome banner that Natalie made sure she provided for us. It says Raider Nation at the top, literally. It's cool. It's a really cool banner. And then behind me, there's this fancy, I guess I should turn the mic this way. There's this fancy banner that says Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, and then it's got the, it's got the view of Las Vegas. It looks fantastic. Only problem is that the banners are way <laughs> up at the ceiling. So when you walk in, you got to look up to see them. It's like this one behind me would have been awesome if it had been just down a little bit. And so it's funny because the dude was in today doing it. 
And I was like, okay, cool. He's going to hang. He's going to, well, I thought he was just hanging the TV up. And so then when me and DeMond walk in for the, the show this afternoon, we look and go, oh, those, oh, those are really high. <laughs> so I'm imagining, and shout out to my guy, and I'm sure he probably didn't even think about it. And shame on me for not being in the studio to kind of instruct him, I guess. I'm assuming that he never in, in his childhood ever hung up a bunch of posters on his walls. Because, you know, when you're in your room and you're decorating your room, you, you center it and, you, you know, bring it down to a certain level. So I, oh, this is my vision in my head. This awesome banner that's behind us that says Radio Nation Radio 920 AM and then it has the, has the Las Vegas scene behind it. I, I'm imagining someone like Charles Woodson or maybe Josh McDaniels or Mark Davis or whoever decides to come in studio is standing here. We're here like, hey, what's up? And we're taking a picture, and that banner's behind us, and it looks really cool. That's what I'm imagining. But instead, now, I'm going to get a stepladder <laughs> and be like, hey, man, go on and stand on this ladder real quick. And then we're going to do a pose. We'll strike a pose. So and we're going to work the kinks out. We're going to get this thing adjusted a little bit, but these banners are awesome. Don't get me wrong. When it's actually all said and done and everything is the way it's supposed to be, it's going to be perfect. It really will. I mean, this, this studio is... Whew. I mean, literally, our old studio that we had up until Monday could probably fit. Enrique, you know this. It's probably like two of our old studios could fit in this room. I mean, the, the size the size that that, that that room was was very small. We were trying to do a lot. But there, there's there's some good things. And look at DeMond. What are you trying to do over there? I thought Enrique was going to comment. No, you said, no. Enrique, you know, so I turned uh, on the microphone. Well, it's because he's, he's sitting right here. So it's like I'm having a conversation with Enrique, too. Talking to everybody. I'm giving them the option if you wanted to say something, Enrique. <laughs> Enrique's like, I'm good, man. I'm good. Enrique is a cold, chill. We got a lot of chill. You know, we got James, engineer James, who's just like chill and relax. I think I got probably more energy than anyone in the building. Everyone else is like calm and chill. I uh, I walked down the hallway earlier, and I was like, all right, let's get this thing going. Enrique, what's up? And uh, a lady from our sister station, and I forget what station she's on, but she does fantastic work. Uh, she was like, Q, you ain't got no inside voice. And I was like, I really don't. I really don't. Like, this is Q all day. This is me. And she's like, well, you can never sneak in the office. <laughs> <laughs> is that Lauren? Yes. 97.1. Boom. The there, point. There it is. Classic there it is. rock. We got so many great stations here. I get, I get lost in the shuffle sometimes. We have Comp, which also is the FM sister for Radio Nation Radio 920. So there you go when the games are on. You want to flip to the FM side and you want to hear things crystal clear in FM, you can hear it on comp. If you want to hear it on here, like you just want to get that old AM type style, you can hear it here. We got the point. We got all kinds of stations. We got obviously our Fox affiliate. We got ESPN affiliate. We got Spanish affiliates. What affiliate don't we have? Hip hop station. I'll work on it. <laughs> we got a guy I call hip hop. He's down the hallway. I call him hip hop. Kevin, that's Kevin's nickname, Hip Hop. Kevin's new nickname is Hip Hop? Yeah. When did that happen? Today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today is the day that Kevin called him, d- decided his name was Hip Hop. Oh, he decided? No, no, he didn't know it. <laughs> he still doesn't know it. So if you call him Hip Hop, he don't know why. But let's just put it like this. You know, people say, like, hey, you know, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Like we say about the Raiders all the time, don't shoot yourself in the foot when it comes to, you know, making dumb mistakes. Mm-hmm. He didn't not only just shoot himself in the foot, he shot his foot off. So I have to call him hip hop. Uh, what did he do? Sounds like a pretty big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. 
Coming up at 3.30, Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. We'll talk a little NFL draft with him. But let's first go out to Raider Fish at Berkeley at 702-365-9200. Raider Fish, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Oh, hey. Ooh, man. Hey, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, okay? I'm in San Francisco sitting in traffic uh, thicker than a country girl raised on yams and hams right now, okay? Uh, mm. I know that's completely off subject, but just I'm shout okay out with the that, though. Hey, man. Hey, yams and hams is good with me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if DeMond know about that, you know, $2 steaks and all the stuff. But <laughs> I digress. Hey, DeMond, we got to talk, man. We no, we don't. You, we got to get you together. <laughs> we got to get you together, man, because you, you got a lot of potential, okay? But anyway, let me get back on, on subject. Which is, what, matter of fact, what is the subject? I just turned the radio on, and I said, let me see what DeMond and Q&M talking about. What are we talking about today? I just literally turned y'all on. I said, let me get on hold. What's the subject? What's the subject to your? What is the one thing the Raiders cannot afford to do this offseason? Oh, man. Ooh, I almost cursed. Ooh, you're about <laughs> to bleep me out. Uh, shoot. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the dang line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. If we really had to strip this thing down to butt, nuts and bolts, man, please address the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball because I feel, you know, like we got enough. I think we got enough at QB right now, dare I say, with a good O-line and a good D-line because if our defense could be at least top 20 overall but top five in turnovers and top five in red zone, whoo! Man, we going to the playoffs. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Address both sides of the ball. Line of scrimmage, and then let's build outwards. That's what I'm talking about. Now, before I go, just, just curiosity. Do either one of you have a question for me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Did no. you want us to? <laughs> no. You got something you want to tell us? No, I thought you were supposed to be staying ready. You ain't got to get ready, baby. You have a you have a chance to interview one of uh, Raider Nation's finest, if I may say so myself. I thought y'all would have a question loaded up. <laughs> All right. Oh no. What do you What do you think? The, what What should the Raiders do at number seven? Okay. Well, there you go. So at number seven, I feel we should hold fast. Don't trade up. I don't. Me personally. And I represent maybe 33% of, of Raider Nation because, you know, we, we, we divide it in thirds now. There's one-third that wants this, one-third that wants that. But whatever we do, do not trade up. Now, if somebody wants to trade with us, okay, and we don't fleece ourselves like we did with Miami uh, some time ago, yeah. and we could get some haul, I, 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 I love the – hey, let's trade out. Let somebody move up. And let's gather up some draft picks so we can have ammunition if we need it next season. Because there is some, uh, I hear a rumor of a generational quote-unquote quarterback, okay, coming available out of USC or something like that next season. Imagine if we had two or three first-rounders and we can make the playoffs and pick uh, one or two next year. Because the Jets almost pulled that off this year. They almost made the playoffs and they picking high. Seattle made the playoffs, and they picking high. So a lot of people say, oh, we have to tank. No, no, I don't believe in tanking. I believe we can make the playoffs and still have some draft capital to move around. So at number seven, I'm going to just throw this out there. Why don't we trade out of it? 
That's that's my hot take, my lukewarm take, my Friday fishism. There it is. Guys, humor me. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Oh yeah, you go out. Yeah. And holler just win, baby. Oh, and go Jag boys when you go out, Raider. There he goes, Raider Fish in Berkeley. He didn't he didn't put on a show himself. We didn't try to put on a show for three hours. My man put on a show for about five minutes, and that was all we needed. Raider Fish at Berkeley, thank you for the call, my man. Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. He joins us next. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Threw the question out there that Raider Fish and Berkeley in the last segment so eloquently answered. What in your mind is the one thing the Raiders can't afford to do this offseason? You can hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Or if you have a question for our next guest, you can also hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. And our next guest is Mike Renner, our good friend from Pro Football Focus, on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. And, Mike, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And I know you got your mock draft out, one of them. You know, we all know that, you know, mock draft season, there'll be plenty of them before it's all said and done. And I'm not really trying to pick your brain on just, you know, mock drafts and where all these guys are going to go. But I just wanted to ask you in particular about, really, the quarterback class. So before we get into it, are you seeing more – Guys come out of college at the quarterback position being more NFL-ready uh, the last few years as opposed to, you know, about four or five years ago? I don't think so. I, I think okay. the rise of you know, true juniors, redshirt sophomores coming out uh, more so than ever before has led to, uh, I, I think as we see, like not NFL readiness. Those guys who are coming out early, not a lot of them have hit the ground running. I think the last one who really did was, you know, Deshaun Watson way back, what, 2017. So um, a, a lot of those third-year guys, even Trevor Lawrence, you know, the generational prospect takes a year and a half to really turn into that guy. So uh, I, I think the learning curve is uh, probably about as steep as ever because quarterback's a difficult position. So when it comes to the quarterbacks that are going to be coming out this draft, and we know the the suspects, we know the guys that are, you know, going to be first-round picks and some that will be a little bit later-round pick, is there any of them that stand out to you that you're thinking, okay, this is a surefire, no doubt about it, this is going to be a franchise guy, and he's going to be able to, he's going to, be able to figure it out in the NFL? I do feel that way about Bryce Young, the okay. Alabama quarterback. I, I feel very strongly, I mean, what he did, I used to keep going back to last year, 2021 against Georgia SEC championship game, 400 yards against that defense. That's, it was all NFL players. It was all like high end NFL players, five first rounders last year. I think they're going to have two or three more first rounders this year on that Georgia defense to where it's like, that is, that's a difficult, <laughs> you know, that's as difficult as it's going to be in the NFL and he tore him up. So uh, we've seen that again and again on his tape. And I do think he has the tools uh, to succeed. And really, anytime the only knock on a guy is his size, I'm not too worried about his projection in the NFL. And what do you think about that size? Is there something that he could do to protect himself a little bit better in the league? Or do you think it's just it kind of is what it is and you have to roll with it? He already does. And it's something that if you draft him, you know you're going to have to scheme around that size because he drops very deep in the pocket. Uh-huh. Um, if you watch him on tape, he's eight, nine, uh, almost 10 yards consistently uh, on his drops. On, and, you know, like it's a three step from the gun. He's two yards deeper than your average quarterback would be at the NFL level. A lot of guys get to seven, eight yards. He's probably two yards deeper than that consistently, which gives him more space when, you know, the pocket internally won't collapse around him and give him no option. So it leads to him seeing pressure coming more, taking fewer hits, 
and obviously being able to see over the line of scrimmage better and work the middle of the field. So that's just something that you're not going to run a, probably a ton of quick game with them. You're not going to do a lot of things with short dropbacks because of that. Mike Renner is our guest from Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So in your mock draft, you do have five quarterbacks going in the first round, and uh, Tanner McKee from Stanford is the last one that you have going around 28 or 29 around that area with uh, Minnesota. Uh, what do you like about that young man coming out of Stanford? He's tremendously accurate and pro-ready from a you know ball-handling, footwork. You know, the offense that they run at Stanford has been hailed as pro-ready because I know David Shaw's, uh, you know, been ever since he's been a coach there and Jim Harbaugh way back when. So uh, he has all those things down pat and has a NFL-caliber arm and I think NFL-caliber anticipation that he plays with. And now, obviously, the town around him at Stanford doesn't look like the town around Bryce Young at Alabama. That's something that he's never going to put up those numbers. But I do think, given the situation he was in, he continuously went above and beyond, reminiscent of someone like a Daniel Jones coming out of Duke, in my opinion. What do you think is his biggest challenge moving forward? He really has to improve his pocket presence. Uh, McKee, even though you know you can blame the off the line all you want, he, he did not see pressure coming more often than not, would lead to more sacks than you would like for a player uh, that's tooled like he is. He's going to be a pocket passer. His, yeah, he can get outside and run a little bit. I don't think he's slow by any means, but that's not going to be a part of his game. When that's the case, you really can't be taking negative plays. You can't uh, be unaware in the pocket to the level that he is. So I think that's one thing that, it comes in time. You can improve that at the NFL level, but on tape, it was very obviously a negative. What about Anthony Richardson? You got him going number nine to Carolina, uh, to the Panthers. They obviously need a quarterback. He's a guy, to me, that's super athletic. He's, he could be fantastic, or he could end up being just a super athletic guy. Uh, what are the pros and cons when you're looking at Anthony Richardson? Yeah, Richardson reminds me of almost like an NBA lottery pick, where it's like, hey, if we could teach him how to shoot, He's going to be an impact player in the NBA. If we can teach Richardson how to throw accurately, you know, he's going to be an impact player in the NFL. Because that's the biggest thing. Is mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he's super callous with the football. I don't think he's incapable uh, of making plays from the pocket. I think he wants to. Truthfully, I think that's one of the best parts about his game. He wants to step in. He's not the kind of guy who is skittish anytime uh, someone starts getting walked back in his face in the offensive line. Like he plays confident football. It's just. He does not throw with an inconsistent base. He doesn't throw with a consistent arm angle, and obviously that leads to a lot of off-target throws. Is it something that's fixable at the NFL level? Yeah. Is it something that uh, we've seen a lot of guys not be able to fix? Also, yeah. Like It's something that uh, you're kind of really rolling the dice with a pick like Anthony Richardson, but he's 6'4", he's 240, and he's going to run like a low 4'5". He's similarly tooled to a guy like Cam Newton coming out that Oof. you just hope that he can harness uh, all that physical ability. So. I still do think he's going to go very highly in this draft because of that, because of what the payoff could be. Talking right now with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, PFF, you guys put out a tweet yesterday of building the perfect quarterback prospect as if you were Dr. Frankenstein. But all of the things that all of the intangibles of the players that you listed, whose intangible do you think translates the best to the next level? Will Levis's arm, Bryce Young's decision making, CJ Stroud's accuracy, and Anthony Richards' athleticism. Who do you think's ability translate better to the NFL right now? It's a great question, and it's like the thing that kind of everyone wants to know. It's like what actually matters when evaluating QB prospects. What, what should we, you know, what's the one skill that you have to have? Uh, and, I, and I think ultimately it's the decision-making. That, that is what separates, uh, you know, a lot of guys can throw the ball accurately. A lot of guys can throw the ball very far. 
uh, not a lot of guys can get to the ball exactly where it needs to be every single play. And that's really what separates the good from the average and the average average from the good and the good from the elite at the NFL level. So Bryce Young's decision-making is what I'm going to go with. I I do think that's the one trade, if I could have any of those guys' traits, that I'd want. Hendon Hooker is a guy that I thought was going to win the Heisman Trophy until he tore his ACL. And then obviously Caleb Williams, he went and won it, and he's going to be probably a number one uh, overall pick, if not number one overall pick, the first the first quarterback off the board next in 2024, that draft coming up. So he's not available this year. What are your thoughts on Hendon Hooker? And obviously he's not going to be able to play right away because of that I mean, your recovery from the ACL. Yeah, I'm still worried about that offense at Tennessee and basically how that would translate to the NFL and – all he's asked to do there, which is one field read, but sometimes one route reads, truthfully, in terms of what he's actually having to process and you know in that offense. So he was right behind the eight ball, kind of reminiscent of like Sam Howell and why he fell mm. last year. It's very similar offense. Um, but, man, he is a heck of an athlete. I mean, he out in space can outrun linebackers easily. Um, he's a guy who has a very strong arm. I think of all the quarterbacks in this class, actually, he's had the farthest throw of any of them on his tape. Threw a Hail Mary 66 yards back when he played at Virginia Tech. So he's got that NFL caliber arm. And this year on tape, like he was making great decisions with the football, consistently finding the right guy. So a lot to like, but torn ACL, going to be 25 years old as a rookie. So you're not even getting a guy who's going to be 26 and, and was already behind the eight ball with his offense. So, would not surprise me if a lot of teams are just like, eh, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to – I think I'm going to pass on that early on just because using a second or third round pick on a guy that you may not even see for a year and a half. And then at that point, uh, you have to decide because it's quarterback, it's a valuable position. I think he may slip in the draft. I know that a lot of people, the last game that they've seen you in is the last thing that they're going to think about you with. But with Max Dugan, how do you feel that he's being projected on the next level aside from what we all saw in the national championship game? Yeah, so what we saw in the national championship game was truthfully kind of brewing throughout the season. Like He was getting away with some stuff on his tape that he was never consistently accurate down the football field, um, had put the ball in harm's way a good amount, and you know got away with it because of the big plays, because of his athleticism, because of the offense. But uh, I think even if he played just an okay game in that national title game, he was going to have an uphill battle to be any sort of high draft pick. So I think at best he's a – seventh rounder at this point may not even get drafted. Again, I stand we're t- corrected. <laughs> Again, we're talking with Mike Redder from Pro Football Focus here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions uh, I got for you, a couple more quarterbacks I wanted to ask about. And Will Levitz from Kentucky, I got to ask about him. What are your thoughts? That's a big dude. Uh, kind of had a down season this year. So what, what are your thoughts on him and what his projection looked like on, on, on the NFL level? Yeah, so kind of what I said about McKee earlier. Uh, a similar stuff applies to Levis. Like, that's NFL offense. He played under two different NFL offensive coordinators, last year with Liam Cohen, this year with Rick Scandrella, who was a former Broncos OC. So, like, he can do – he is, can step on an NFL field tomorrow, and it's not going to be much of a transition for him. He's worked from tight pockets. He's had to go through progressions. Like, he's done all the things that NFL evaluators are going to want to see. Now, did he do that <laughs> consistently well? Like, I'm not so sure, and obviously uh, the talent around him at Kentucky right now, he doesn't have a single wide receiver that's going to get drafted, and I don't think he had a single offensive lineman that's going to be uh, drafted before day three. So it's not, it's not a great, it's not a full cover there uh, that he was working with as opposed to the year prior when he had Wondell Robinson, who accounted for like 50% of their passing offense. So um, I, I do think he was behind the eight ball in a lot of games, especially against SEC defenses. 
to where you flip on the tape and, you know, the stats may not look good, but I don't think it mattered who was playing quarterback in some of those games they weren't going to look good. So um, I think that's what NFL evaluators are banking on, the fact that, hey, no matter where he goes, like even next year, it's going to be a better situation. He's going to have more guys open, and when he does, his numbers are going to flourish. So that's what you're hoping because he's a guy who can for an arm, heck of an athlete, you know, similarly tooled to Josh Allen, maybe just a little less uh, to the degree that Josh Allen is a freak. But in that realm of athlete that, again, similar to Anthony Richardson, people are going to take this chance uh, because the payoff is so big at that position if you hit. DTR out of UCLA, what's he looking like? Because we, we're going to be able to see him up close and personal at the Shrine Bowl coming up. But what do you think he's projecting right now when it comes to his NFL potential? Yeah, he's another guy who late day three at best, I'd say, just mm. because uh, – Accuracy issues have been consistent on his tape over. You know, you like four-year starters. I said the guys that have been coming to the NFL, not necessarily NFL ready, these three-year starters, but the guys who have hit are guys like Justin Herbert right off the gate, who is a four-year star, was a four-year starter in college. So you'd like that. Uh, even Brock Purdy, a four-year starter in college. So you'd like that uh, from him. NFL players are going to like that. Always experiences a big plus uh, when at a position like quarterback where it's so complex. So those are all pluses for him. Uh, but I do think the accuracy issues, just the overall production outside of what he can do with his legs, has been lackluster over the years that uh, I, I do think he's as an uphill sort of climb to get drafted here. We got a text message about Cam Rising from Utah. I wanted to get your thoughts on him. Didn't he come back to Utah? I think uh, he came back. Did he really? Again? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I feel like he's been I there forever. <laughs> I, I know, he has, and I thought it was announced that he came back. But, okay. Uh, he, he really is like. I mean, he's kind of in that Brock Purdy realm where it's like, man, his arm's really just not good enough, but mm-hmm. everything else is kind of there. So if he goes to the right spot like Brock Purdy, then, hey, right. he can produce. But I do think he's coming back to Utah. All right, there you go. Mike Renner for Pro Football Focus. Definitely appreciate that. We'll close out with this. C.J. Stroud, you had him in your mock draft, dropping to number seven and going to the Raiders, and I'm intrigued by that. And you you in the write-up talked about it was a good fit in Josh McDaniels' offense. Why do you see C.J. Stroud as such a good fit for Coach McDaniels? He's very accurate underneath intermediate. Uh, that's a big part of that offense. I, I think he plays uh, really well with timing, really well from the pocket. And uh, now he's ne- obviously not going to look like what he did at Ohio State. It's a very different offense. Um, but I do think how he operated that offense, where he excelled in that offense, is where kind of Josh McDaniel's offense loves to thrive. So um, I think if he went to the Raiders with the receiving talent they have, um, it would look. It would remind him a lot of what he has at Ohio State, and that I, I think that would be a great, also sort of situation for him to excel. Something that we talked about at the beginning of the show were the cornerbacks, because the Raiders need a shutdown cornerback. And you put out a list of top ten cornerbacks in this draft. Who do you think is going to be the first one taken off the board? That's a great question. I love this quarterback class so deep, um, but I don't think there's one clear mm. one. There you and go. Obviously, there wasn't a clear CB one last year either. But I, I think if I had to bet. I think Christian Gonzalez Morgan is probably your first one taken just because I think maybe Devin Witherspoon's tape from Illinois is better this year, but Witherspoon's the six foot two guy, the 200 plus pounder, maybe going to run a better 40, like the testing wise guy who's just going to show out. So I'll probably lean Christian Gonzalez. So do you think taking either of those guys at number seven would be a reach? I don't think so. I, it's, I love those two. I think there is clearly CB1, CB2. I don't really care the order you put them in. But those are the best two corners in this class. Um, and I think that 
it's such a valuable position. It's such an impact position that if you hit on it, like we saw with Sauce Gardner this year, like we're seeing with Trent McDuffie here as well for the Kansas City Chiefs, that it can really transform your defense. So I think those are two corners that can be that kind of guy. So what are your thoughts on Ringo from Georgia? Yeah, Keeley's a, a size-speed freak. He is just not a corner yet. Okay. You know, he can run. Yeah. He can beat you up at the line of scrimmage. He can catch up from anywhere, but he does not have kind of the corner mentality or the corner instincts that you want to see just yet. And now that's uh, – I, I think we're sitting here last year saying a lot of the same things uh, about uh, – gosh, I'm blanking on his name – Tariq Woolen. Uh, oh, yeah. Last year because yeah. the guy changed from wide receiver to corner. It was like he really just is not figuring it out. Why mm-hmm. the NFL obviously takes chances on those guys because when they do figure it out, it looks like Tariq Woolen's rookie year. So – I pull him in that sort of realm where it's like, man, uh, it's, it's, you can see the wheels turning in his head as he's like, should I break? Do I break now? When do I, uh, what do I do exactly here? But he really is physically kind of everything you want. So I, I think he still could sneak in the first round, but on tape, he's really more of a day two guy. This is one that you might not have an answer I for. I swear this is the last one. Yeah, no, this is the last one for real. <laughs> is Riley Moss going to play corner in the NFL? Oh, I hope so. You know, it's been a while, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he is. I think he has. He's a high-end tester. Like, he's an athlete. I, I think you'd be silly to move him away from corner in the NFL. There okay. you go. There it is. Fantastic stuff right there. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. What do you got coming out on Pro Football Focus that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, the draft board and mock draft obviously just got updates on PFF.com. Uh, we're going to be at the Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl. Nice. Uh, live coverage there so i'll be out there so looking forward to both of those things all right absolutely well when you get out here man we'll definitely see you at Allegiant stadium at the shrine bowl we appreciate all the fantastic uh, feedback this afternoon great stuff uh we'll be checking in with pro football focus to see what else you got coming out but uh, like i said we look forward to seeing you at the shrine bowl for sure thanks so much for having me on have absolutely you too great have a great weekend mike renner right there lots of stuff right there we went a lot deeper than i thought we were going to go but uh really good uh, information from Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, on Twitter, at PFF underscore Mike. 3.50 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Just got a text on the don'tbebroke.com text line. 69187 keyword R&R. Q, you should put another banner up in the studio. Demands high school basketball stats. Might be a small <laughs> banner, but it's still a banner. LOL. That's not the one I thought you were going to read. Which one did you thought I was going to read? You thought I didn't have I was going to not get that opportunity to talk bad about your basketball stats, your non-existent stats? Non-exi- Come on, see that's the problem. You think they're non-existent? Come on, Q. I was out there putting in work. Where? You want, let me tell you about a real specific game here. Okay. Against Western. Okay, let's, All let's, right. let's go ahead and soak this one in. All right, so we're playing against Western. It's a tight game. Gerard, our leading scorer, he fouls out. And then Western, they're coming down the court. I make a game-saving charge. We go into overtime. If I don't get that charge call, they might make that layup, and then they win the game. <laughs> we go into overtime. And you lose. No, but no. We win the game, actually. But here's the team captain. Me, team captain, leader of men. <laughs> Uriel, he's inbounding the ball. I say to him, I'm giving it right back to you. It was a side inbound. He inbounds it to me. I give it right back to him. Knocks down the game winner. That's leadership right there. No, it's That's just you had no captain. game. You had to give up the rock because you couldn't do nothing with it. See, and you would have lost the game. You would have been the person that <laughs> lost the game, but you still would have been happy. You got to take the last shot. Me, 
seeing the bigger picture. <laughs> Uriel, I believe in you. You're gonna knock down the game winner right now. What was his name? Uriel. I ain't never met a Uriel. You sure his name wasn't Ariel? Nope. <laughs> I remember my teammate. I ain't never met no Uriel ever. Yeah, he still plays in some leagues around town, but but I, it was just that team captainness that yo. You're going to knock down this game winner right here. All right. Said it just like that. Did you say it like that? He said, thank you, Devon. All right. Now you sound like Jamie Foxx. <laughs> <laughs> and I know when you use that BS voice, you're lying. So we won that, that game. That's exactly what happened. I can tell with that voice, too, that you you probably won. So now I'm making up wins. I'm, I'm just going, going, I'm going off what I know. Whenever you change your voice, that means you lying. That's facts. I'm making up players. I'm making up situ- specific plays. I'm making it all up, huh? Uh, hey, look, all right. It's got to get generated somewhere. Raider Mac, what's up? What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. What up, Q? What up? <laughs> what up, fellas? What up? What's y'all up, brother? funny, man. That's why I love listening to y'all every day, man, because y'all, y'all bring something different to the table. <laughs> I appreciate y'all, man. The show, hey, y'all got an A1 show, man. All the guests, I just love all the guests and the people. But I, I heard, I heard, um, I heard him say about the quarterback situation. Man, if we could get uh, C.J. Stroud, I'd be happy. Even though I think Bryce Young is the better quarterback out of the two right now, I would take C.J. Please do not draft that kid from Kentucky, Willis. Please, Raiders. <laughs> hey, uh, the number one thing we got to address is, is the quarterback. You, can, uh, you yeah. can have a line, but if you ain't got no quarterback behind that line, ask, ask some of these teams that didn't get to the playoffs. Right. And uh, my thing is you address the quarterback. Hey, Q, and, and – um, what I have a question for Demond though. Hey Demond, you guys, UNLV, um, Bobby Petrino left and went to uh, Texas A&M. Hey, mm-hmm. be happy that guy left, man. That guy is not. He ain't. He. I, I hate to say this, but this guy is no good, man. He. You look at his track record. He did every. He's done a lot of teams wrong and doing what he did to you guys. The, the karma. I always say karma is. Is, is yeah, we know the rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. We know the rest of that saying. <laughs> yeah, you you know about that guy. His track record is not good. And I don't even have to say the stuff he did. But also back to the Raiders. I, and my last question, Q and Demar, what do you guys think? What do you guys think about uh, um, moving up in the draft? If we can move up in the draft, would you guys give up the first two, uh, the first two round picks um, this year's and next year for that for Bryce Young? And I'll let you guys go. Have a great weekend. All right, brother. You too. Appreciate you. I, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I don't want to give up the the first pick next year. I want any trades that happen. Honestly, I want it to be done this year. Right? If there's a trade that's going to happen, I just want it to be over and done with when this draft is over. Similar to what we saw with when they traded for Devontae Adams. It was like, okay, first and second round pick done, just done. So you don't have to worry about lingering into the next season. Right, you know what you're going into it with. So right now they've got, you know, it looks like they got about 11 draft picks that they're going to have and potentially have more than that. So uh, I, I prefer them not to go into the 2024 draft and start giving up capital to that. But uh, it depends on how high they're trying to draft because I think that sitting at number seven, I want to say that's worth um, maybe 1,500 draft uh, draft points on the draft chart, and the number one overall pick is worth 3,000. So you got to give up quite a bit to move up from seven to one. So there's that. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. 357 is the time. We'll get some more calls and texts in just a little bit. But coming up next, Michael Giannetti, SpoTrack.com. We'll talk some contracts with him as we kick off hour number three of the show on this Friday. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.